Amen. Good morning. It's so great to be here with you this morning and to see you. We're so very glad to see all of our members, and we're so very glad and thankful to have our visitors with us, and we appreciate your presence and for your uh, choice, your decision, your, your commitment to be here this morning, and we want to make you feel welcome, and we want you to know you're always invited to be a part of our worship services, and if you're looking for a church home and you live in the area, we want to encourage you to ask more about this congregation. We'd love to see you uh, place your membership here. Uh, let us know if you're, if you're uh, interested in that. We're so very glad to have all of you here with us this morning. And those who are, visiting, who are worshiping with us online, we are very glad to have you with us this morning as well. We're continuing in our series on the book of Romans. We're going to finish chapter 3 and, and look at chapter 4. And then next week you can be reading ahead because we'll do chapter 5. Last week we learned uh, that an easy way to understand the concept of justification, a big word that we don't really use much outside of looking in the Bible, but Paul is dealing with this word and this concept with the Roman church and, and pretty much all his letters, this idea of justification. And we said one easy way to, to understand what that means is to break it down in a different way to where it says justified just as if I'd never sinned is the way one person put that. And I think that helps make it simple and easy to understand what that means, that when we're justified uh, before God, when we have obeyed the gospel and put on Christ in baptism, then we stand before God because of Jesus' sacrifice just as if we had never sinned. We stand in a right relationship with God uh, when we obey the gospel. So Paul is dealing with this issue, talking about this in this letter to the Romans. And in chapter 3, starting in verse 27, look there uh, with me, we'll be in 27 through 31, Paul's going to continue uh, his, his teaching about justification in Christ. And he asks, where then is boasting? What, what about our boasting? Now, why would he ask about that? Why would he ask this rhetorical question? Because for the Jewish Christians and for Jews, they would boast in how good, how well they followed the law. And the better they followed the law, the more they could boast. Why? Because they believed that earned them their salvation. That earned them points with God. The better they followed the law, the more strictly they followed the old covenant, the law of Moses, the more they could boast. And he's saying, what do we do about our boasting? Where's our boasting? And he's going to tell them, it's excluded. There's no room for boasting. There's no room. There's no space. You can't boast about anything you've done before God because as, as he made the case previously that we looked at last week, you're all sinners lost outside of Christ and nothing you can do, no matter how good you think it is, you stand lost. Why? Because all have sinned and therefore fall short of the glory of God. And then he got to the good news about how we're justified freely in Christ. So he's still talking about that, but he says, don't even try to boast about how good you are, how much you think you do, and, and all of that, because it doesn't work. Uh, that's not what this is about. 
He says boasting about our good works and following the law is excluded because there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. So let's read verses 28 through 31. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? See, he's addressing that to these Jewish Christians. Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Remember, the church was also made up of Gentile Christians. Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means, Paul writes. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So we're justified apart from works of the law, apart from following the old covenant, the law of Moses that the Jews followed. We're justified by faith, as he's going to show us. But many Jews would have said, yes, God is the God of the Jews only and not the Gentiles. And they would have been proud of that because that's what they believed. But the Jewish Christians were learning differently. They were learning better. That that's not the way it was. That the gospel was for all people. And that it's by faith and not by following uh, a certain law or codes or rituals. You know, Paul had his critics uh, like, like any of the apostles and, and, and disciples. And, and he knew that they were twisting his teachings about God's grace. Uh, and, and he wanted to address that. Uh, with the Roman Christians because he knew that his critics, his accusers, those who didn't agree with him would, would twist what he taught and they said that Paul teaches this grace of God and that you can live however you want. You don't have to follow any moral code or, 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 or live any kind of certain moral lifestyle and God's grace will just cover you. That's what Paul's critics would say. They would twist what he said and say he's saying that. And Paul's making it clear to them, that's not what I'm teaching. That God's grace, yes, covers us. That salvation, yes, is by faith. But he's saying it's not by us earning it or achieving it because we can follow some law. Because as we see, law only brought wrath. In the whole book of Galatians, he deals with that. And he'll deal with this more in chapters 6 and 7 uh, when we get there. Paul knew that some of the Jews would accuse him of just throwing out the law, just as if it's not, not doesn't even exist. Forget about it. And so he addressed this issue that, no, in faith, by faith we uphold the law. Now what did he mean by we uphold the law? He's talking about the fundamental moral teachings of the Old Testament covenant. And, and here he helps us understand when we look at Galatians chapter 3, and I'll read verses 23 through 29. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Do you see that? So he's showing them how this works. He kind of, in this Galatians passage, he kind of breaks it down and helps it make sense to us what he's saying in Romans. Verse 24 of Galatians 3. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. So it was, the Old Testament was all about getting us to Jesus. Uh, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. By faith in who? In what? In Christ. Verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Talking about the old law. 
For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So it didn't matter who you were because as long as you come by faith in Christ, you're accepted. And he says that uh, whoever was put on Christ in baptism, you've been clothed with Christ, as he puts it. And, and you're by faith, you respond in faith. And you're, you're in. It's not by following an old law or by your ethnicity or your customs or whatever. It is by faith and being joined with Christ in baptism. Uh, verse 29 of Galatians 3. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. See how he connects that to Abraham? He's saying everyone who comes to Christ through faith, regardless of heritage, is Abraham's offspring. And so he's going to get to that in Romans uh, three here and four as well. Heirs according to the promise. You see, the Jews were no longer under the old Mosaic law, and that's what he's continuing to teach. He talks about this, as I said, in several of his letters. The old covenant was designed to lead us to Jesus. So when we wonder today, what's the purpose of the Old Testament? It's to understand the big story of God and what he did to bring us Christ and salvation. And that's what the Old Testament helps do. But the moral code, the fundamental morality of the Old Testament still is fulfilled in Christ. So the, we see that the way to get in Christ, Paul puts it very clearly, is in baptism for the remission of your sins. So, so salvation, for baptism is required for salvation. Paul's very clear about that. And they didn't question that and say, yeah, but, and what if. They just believed, okay, that's what you say, then that's, what, that's the way that it is. It's simply obeying uh, Jesus' commands and how he says to come to him in faith. You see, so are we justified by faith? Yes, we are. And that's what the Bible teaches. But the teaching that says that we're, we're saved or justified by faith alone, that word was added. The word alone was added here. And this is one of the passages here in this Romans passage uh, that, that is used to see, see we're saved by faith alone. But the word alone was added to, to communicate a certain message. And so are we saved by faith alone? Well, we're saved by faith is what the Bible says. And, and what we see is that Christ calls us, tells us how to respond in faith, and that is through baptism. That's very clear in Scripture. And so to question or disparage the Lord's conditions for salvation shows we don't trust His Word and we'd rather do it our way instead of His way. So I think we'd be better off just to say, what do you want us to do? How do we respond in faith? That's what we see in Acts chapter 2. And we'll do that and we'll just believe your Word. That's a much better way to do that. So look at Romans chapter 4 and we'll look at verses 1 through 12 where we see... Paul's making a case about how Abraham was justified by faith. Remember in Galatians, he linked it to, uh, he linked faith uh, to Abraham's offspring. So he's connected all people who come to Christ in faith to Abraham. And then in this Romans passage, 4 through 1 through 12, he's going to talk about that again. So Paul uses Abraham to give these Jewish Christians proof that justification comes by faith. 
So he's going to go back to the Old Testament for credibility because the Jewish Christians there in the audience, are going to, are, they respect Abraham. He was held up high. He was the, 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 the father figure of their faith. He, he was the one through whom God gave his covenant that I will make you a great nation. And so they, the, if, if you were going to talk about Abraham, they were going to listen. They were going to believe it. So Paul is just going to go to Scripture and show them uh, that, that what he's saying is right. Look at verses 1 through 3. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. In other words, he's saying, hey, if Abraham did good works and we all recognize that he did, then sure, he's got some boasting he can do because he did good. He was faithful to God. But then Paul says, but, but not before God. That doesn't work before God because nothing he does matters. He didn't earn any salvation by all of his good works and faithfulness. He still stood outside of Christ, outside of salvation, if he wasn't going to put his faith in God. Look at verse... Uh, Verse 3, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Paul is showing them it was Abraham's faith in God to believe in God, who God said he was and what God promised he was do, would do. It was Abraham's faith that, that caused God to count him as righteous. Does that make sense? And so Abraham was this ultimate example for Paul to use for the Jewish Christians and for all of the Christians there uh, because if Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith, then that proved that it wasn't by works. Now, we got to have that straight in our mind today too, don't we? Because sometimes we get it twisted in our mind and, and, and we even maybe just unconsciously think the more I do, the more Bible I know, the more faithful I am, the more gooder I am, then the more salvation I have, the more God loves me and the closer I am to God and, and the more saved I am, right? You ever just maybe you didn't mean to, but you thought that? Because you looked over at someone else and, and, and you saw what they were going through. You just wanted to feel good about yourself. And you said, yeah, but I'm always there. And do you know all the things that I do? And you know how long I've served God? But God said, Paul asked, would ask us the same thing. Where is our boasting? It's excluded because those things, those works are done because of our love for God and because we're so thankful for salvation, not to earn anything at all because we're all sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So Paul's trying to, that's a, that's a point for us too. And then uh, Paul uses David in verses 6 through 8 as an additional example to prove his point. But the next point that Paul makes is to show that Abraham was declared righteous before he was circumcised. Now, God gave the, the people of Israel the sign and the seal, as Paul says it, uh, of circumcision, and it was a sign and seal between him and his people. It was, it was something special and unique to them that identified his people. And they, the Jews took pride in that uh, in, in this first century. They, they were very proud of that, and that was important to them because it was a marker of their identity as God's people. And so uh, look at 
Look at what uh, Paul writes in verses 11 through 12. He tells us why God did this. And in verse 11, he says, The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. So he credited Abraham as righteous before Abraham was circumcised. And so again, Paul is proving to the Jews it was always by faith in God and not by anything external. We come to God through faith, not because of our works and our so-called righteousness. So it wasn't, it was four, some 14 to 24 years after God counted Abraham as righteous by his faith that he gave, that he actually had him circumcised and gave that sign and seal of circumcision. It was that much longer after, that much time had passed. So obviously that's not what counted him as righteous. It was the faith that Abraham had. And that's why he's called the father of our faith. And look at verse 12, uh, Romans 4. And to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith. So Jew... Paul would say, it's not because you have circumcision or any other external marker of identity or follow the law or because of your ethnicity as a Jew. It is because of faith, because you follow in the footsteps of Abraham's faith. Does that make sense? So Paul had thoroughly shown them that our relationship with God is about our faith. That puts it in our hands, doesn't it? And that also puts it in God's hands because we're saying, we trust you and what you say and your promises and because I realize I can't, I can't be good enough to earn this. Look at Romans 4, verses 13 through 25. Paul continues his example of Abraham by saying, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that we would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath. Because what's a law going to do? The law tells you you're speeding or you're not, and that's it, right? That, that little, I saw some a police officer stop somebody here because... That light started flashing on them right here on Main Street. And that police officer was right there. They were going past 20, and it was blinking, and he pulled them over. The law says you're guilty or you're not. It's that simple. And the only reason people obey the law typically is so fundamentally is so we don't get in trouble. The, the law brings the wrath of the, the authorities. And, 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 and Paul is saying it's not about that. It's about faith. For the law brings wrath, verse 15, but where there is no law, there's no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may not rest, may rest on grace. Do you see that? Paul's talking about the grace of God, and that's what this is about. We're putting our faith in the grace of God and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. So Paul reaches way back into their history 
And he goes back to that covenant that God made with Abraham. I'll make you the father of many nations. And he shows them that it's by faith and not through any other external sign or symbol or obedience and all of that. That's why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace. You see, we've gotta, we, we ought to rejoice that our salvation is not based on how good and perfect we are but how good and perfect God is and His grace that He gives us and what came through His grace, that redemption, salvation. He sent His Son to die for us and that's that grace of God. And it's the grace of God that He would justify us when we put our faith in Christ. Abraham put his hope in God. He believed who God said he was and the promises that God made. Look at verse 18 of Romans chapter 4. In hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God that he would have a son, Isaac. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. What a great example to us today for our faith. Abraham simply said, I believe what you say, God. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to follow you because... You tell me you're going to save me when I put my faith in you. And I'm going to trust in you. What an example to us. And hope is a favorite word of Paul. Paul loves the word hope. Uh, it's used more, he used it more than any other author of the New Testament. He used the word hope a whole lot. And from an earthly standpoint, Abraham, a hundred years old, and Sarah, who, was, who had never had a child, there was, from an earthly standpoint, no hope in having a child, was there? No one would say, oh, honey, any day now. Oh, oh, honey, I just know any day now you're going to call me. You're going to text me that sonogram picture. And, and it's going to be all over social media. That there was no one would have said, y'all are going to have a child. And, and, it and, and, and if they had even told people that, they would have laughed at them and mocked. But they didn't look at it from an earthly standpoint. They didn't put their hope in what the world would say and, and what our eyes physically can see. They put their hope in the Almighty God and what He said. And He said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. They didn't know how He was going to do that. They had to trust that God was God and He was going to do what He was going to do. And they put their hope in God, and God made him the father of many nations. And she had a child, Isaac, and through Isaac came uh, the people of Israel. And it was through all of them, through Abraham's faith, we get who? Jesus. Jesus came through that faith way back then. Do you see how God was at work to bring us salvation today? And because Abraham had faith and put his hope in God, we can do the same thing today. And that's why Abraham is such a great example to us. What an example to us today. Now, now I, I want to point out just real quick that 
this text is not teaching anything about infertility. And that's a real and, and important and, and, and serious issue that people struggle with today. And, that, and God cares about that issue. And that is something to take to God if that's something that somebody's dealing with. But I just want, I want you, to, I don't want that to be misunderstood because what God was doing was He said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. This was His covenant for His people. Does that make sense? And that's what He was doing. They didn't even know how He was going to do that. So it's not about, it's not a lesson about infertility. It's a, it's a lesson about God fulfilling His covenant promise. Does that make sense? But should I take that issue to God if that's something I'm dealing with? Absolutely, because God cares for you. And that's something that you definitely need to take to God if, that, if that's something you choose to. So I just want, to understand, I want you to understand there's a, there's a difference there that this is about what God was doing to reveal his plan of salvation. And Paul, uh, Paul says Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And that faith is why he counted him as righteous. Now, look at verse 23 of Romans 4 as we come to a close. Verse 23. Paul writes, But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. You see, God didn't direct Paul to write those words to the Christians in Rome so that they could hear that story and then we could read it today and it have nothing to do with us. God directed him to pen those words for the people who received this letter originally, as well as for us today, because God's word is timeless. And so God wants us to know 2,000 years after this letter was written that we can also be counted righteous before God through our faith in Christ Jesus. The same truth is true today. Look at verse 25. Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That's a powerful verse about Jesus and what he did for us. Paul says he was delivered up. And that echoes Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant, about the Messiah that Isaiah was prophesying who would suffer for us. And in verse 5 of Isaiah 53, uh, Isaiah writes, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And Paul seems to have this in his mind, perhaps, about the suffering servant that he was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. See, he was delivered up on the cross for our sins. And then he was raised up from the dead by the power of God for our justification. We talked about propitiation last week. And that's what God was doing in Christ. And when we put our faith in him, we can have hope for salvation. Tonight we're going to talk about assurance. 
So we'll, we'll kind of continue this thought. And so we can have hope and put our faith in God that we can stand before God in Christ justified knowing that we have an eternal home secured for us. But that hope is only available for someone who is in Christ, who, who has acted on their faith and has responded obediently in faith to God. The, when the Ethiopian eunuch was traveling, he was Jewish, and he was leaving Jerusalem. He had been to Jerusalem for worship, and he was going home, riding in his chariot. God sent Philip there to meet him because the Ethiopian man was studying the Word of God, but he didn't understand what he was reading. Philip sent him to the Ethiopian man to study with him. Do you remember where the Ethiopian man was reading from? He was reading about the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. But he didn't understand who Isaiah was talking about until Philip told him, he's talking about Jesus. Let me tell you about him. And in verse 35, the Bible says, And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Do you see that? What happened next? As soon as the Ethiopian man heard about Jesus, and he understood what the Old Testament was leading him to, and he understood this is by faith. They're riding in the desert, and he says, Look, here's some water. Pull the reins, stop the chariot, halt. I'm going to run down there because you're not going to keep me from getting baptized. Because I believe what I just heard about Jesus and I put my faith in him. Well, what did Philip tell him? He said he taught him the good news about Jesus. And in explaining that, the Ethiopian man understood that he was Jewish and it wasn't by his works or ethnicity or heritage or goodness or faithfulness or anything. It was about his faith in Christ and Christ's sacrifice for him so he could be saved. He said, I believe that. And he said, I've got I've to be united with Christ. And he was baptized at that moment in the water. He put his hope in Jesus. And then, so where does, where does our life, our lifestyle, our decisions, our morality come into play? It's when we're so thankful for the sacrifice Jesus gave us. We're so thankful for salvation. We want to follow his word and live out his word, live out our faith and live right lives. That's where that comes from. Not to earn anything, but because we're so thankful for salvation. We want to live for Him. Are you in a right relationship with God this morning? Do you stand outside of Christ? Have you been united with Christ and, and, and maybe you hadn't been faithful to God and, and you, you realize, I, I need to do that. I, I need to get right. I need to get back on track in my relationship with God. We want to encourage you today. Make a decision today. Obey in faith today. Either get your faith back on track or maybe you need to be united with Christ in baptism today to put on Christ and start that walk with him. We want you to know we're here for you whatever your need might be. If we can serve you in any way, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.